You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. David Hall. Hey, hey, hey. Greg Hectus. Hey, all. And special guest, Nick Ottinger. Hello, friends. Hey, hey, welcome. All right, let's jump right into it. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, Nick, let's talk about uh, you and uh, what got you started in iRacing. When was it? uh, When did you first hear the word iRacing? When did you first learn about it and uh, what brought you to us? Uh, It's actually a... That's a pretty interesting story, I'd say. Um, my alliance member I work with, uh, Michael Connie. I think he was on this podcast last week. Yep. Me and him are good buddies, and we actually used to race with each other back in, I'd say, like the 08 to like 09 days on NASCAR 09 via like PS3. Um, and we used to, we used to be friendly rivals back then. So I mean, we kind of he brought up the term I racing to me, and. We used to do a lot of league racing on, like I said, NASCAR 09, but he brought up the term iRacing and done it probably for about a month, maybe to two months at that time. And he just, we just raced so much on NASCAR that he's like, okay, I need you over here and let's, let's race with each other. So, I mean, basically for almost 10 years now, I've been racing with Michael against him and with him. So it's been interesting. Um, I know a lot of guys have said, at least, at least like Dale Jr. and all that kind of like got the ball rolling on like get people in there. And Mike was just real influential on, even with him being younger, more influ- influential in me getting, a, getting the eye racing. So it was something, something cool. I'm glad he got me into it. I'm yep. kind of a little, little mad he keeps outrunning me still. <laughs> well, I would call you what's called a veteran for sure. Uh, you've been around uh, eight years here looking at your profile. Winning percentage in oval overall thirty nine point five percent. Man, that's a great number. Uh, is it that high? Oh man, that is high. That's one of the highest we've seen. Uh, it's right there with Michael Conti. I don't remember exactly where he was at, but it was very close to that. Uh, I haven't done. Uh, I don't race a lot, you know, like league racing and all that, and and everything like that. Because when I first started, I racing. Like I said, Mikey got me started in it, but when I first started, I just had a laptop. And what I had was just a laptop and a little TV tray in front of me with like a little pedal set under the TV tray. So I'd actually just sit on my couch out in the living room that I had, and I'd put the, I was to put the steering wheel on the TV tray, but I'd have the laptop to the left of me, like 90 degrees to the left of me sitting on the armrest. So I'd be actually driving with my arms forward, but I'd be looking to the left constantly. So <laughs> I'd done that for probably about a year, year and a half when I first started iRacing, and it was, um, I just raced so much, like, I'd get home from, this was back when I was still in high school, I just raced so much, um, I'd just get home, finish my homework, what I had to do, and I'd just get on and actually race, wouldn't do no practice or nothing, I'd see a little Legends race on there, and I'd just, just compete. Yep, uh, looking at your stats, 2011, uh, you had a 55% win that year, uh, with 15,000 laps, uh, you only did 2,600 laps last year. Uh, so, yeah, you were getting it done back then. I guess you say this veteran's getting tired, I guess, because <laughs> he don't race much. 
All right. Well, tell us about your hardware setup. What do you run for wheel pedals, monitors, uh, goggles, what? Uh, I run on a Driving Force GTF. I've I've went through a couple of them. Uh, I say wheels throughout my, I guess, like nine years I've been on iRacing. Actually, it'll be nine years coming this, I think this May. I'll be on here for nine years. So I just ran a Driving Force GT wheel. I upgraded to, probably, I think, Fanatec CSR Elites probably a year, year and a half ago. My first race on them was actually Sonoma in 2017. And it was a, it was a little bit of a learning experience running, you know, upgraded pedals. For, especially running on a road course with a stock car because a lot of braking is really heavy, heavy braking that you have to do for long distances. But monitor, I just run on like a 24-inch monitor, like HP. Um... That's about it. I, ha I haven't tried VR. I, I, I'd actually like to try it to see the sensation that people talk about it with, but I ain't too keen on you know, having all that fancy stuff to drive on here. All right. Very good. So I'm going to jump around here on the questions. Let's talk about your peak uh, involvement and uh, JTG, Daughtery. Um, you know, tell us about what happened when you figured out that there was going to be a draft, how you felt about your chances in the draft, and then uh, what was it like when you learned about that? And have you talked to Mr. Brad Daughtery at all, uh, actually over the phone or something? Uh, I'll try to answer that kind of how you just asked it. Um, I was excited to have JTG, um, obviously in the sport, or eSport. Um but to be honest, I really didn't think I would fall to eighth, considering and nothing against other competitors and nothing like that. But considering I basically had the second highest winning this um, average in the series itself, um, I expected probably to go like fifth or sixth. But I mean, I, I, honestly, in hindsight, I'm kind of glad I went to JTG because great people. They've honestly treated me like family. Um, they've They've really, they're 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 the last group to be involved in the draft, and I, they didn't really know much about I racing at the time when they got into it, which it, it sucks. But I mean, they've been so supportive and kind of leading them into the esport world and everything like that. And to answer your last question on that, no, I have not talked to Brad because um, they have a. Uh, they have a representative at JTG that kind of runs the esports initiative, which it's a younger guy, which is actually nice to have someone influential as far as a young younger guy and can actually understand what we go through and everything. Yeah, like a marketing guy or PR guy or something. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm sure you'll talk to him at some point. And uh, I think I saw on Twitter they sent you a bunch of stuff too. I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> they did. They sent me a lot of um. I know some people laugh about it. some toilet paper, some like cleaning supplies and stuff like that. But Kroger was really nice in sending that. Um, I, it was actually a surprise because I was actually on a trip to Arizona when the guy at JTG had talked to. Um, that I talked to almost every week, and he said I had a care package from Kroger, which was probably about four or five boxes worth of care packages. And I had a trip to Arizona with some actual racing buddies of mine on here and some some outsider racing on i racing and i came back and did a lot of dang cleaning supplies like oh that's neat so i, mean, I, I can't thank kroger for enough for sending all that stuff I mean, we still got some cool stuff that we'll probably get to later in the year with them so 
Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, my wife would love that stuff, actually. It would be cool if all these stuff, cleaning supplies, showed up for free. She would be stoked. That's pretty cool. All right, uh, and let's talk about your uh, peak uh, this year and whatnot. Now, I understand that you had to, you're going to sit out a race here, and it was because some kind of penalty system that I'm really not aware of. But uh, tell us about that, and then tell us, you know, you know, where do you sit in the, the points? What's your outlook going forward? Yeah, we're sitting good in points, and like you said, we're most likely going to sit out a race. Basically, this is my own fault of causing too many incidents. And what that entails is basically just if you, like, spin, do a sell spin, or if you, like, wreck a guy, they basically determine it's your fault or the other guy's fault if you're in a wreck. And I've been on a three-strike rule with that, so basically that's kind of what you what you get in, in pass is a three-strike rule. And we're going to sit out a race for that. But, I mean, we're sitting good in the point, sitting seventh. Um, playoffs, you got to finish a top eight. But, I mean, we're, we're still on striking distance if we sit out this next race at Richmond. I mean, we can't fall too far behind that 12th, maybe 12th to 14th in points. And that's that's probably going to be maybe 25 to 30 points out. So it's definitely doable to still keep in contention for it. And, honestly, our cars at JTG and everything, I mean, it, we've been – Probably been top five pace each race, so I mean, we can't complain. All right, and let's talk about that. I mean, it's not just the driver, but it's the car too. And you have a great uh, setup uh, around you with all the team members that you're working with. Uh, besides JG, uh, JTG Daughtery, uh, you have uh, the other team. And so let's talk about you know who's behind Nick Ottinger and and uh, who supports your effort. Well, we. I'm gonna say Pocono asking near 2017 is when Mikey, Michael Connie, and I asked to kind of, I want to say get on speaking terms, just I'd say speaking terms, you know, relative to the Peak Series itself. And we thought about working together at that point, and really since then, we've just been Connie and Brian, uh, Brian Schoenberg, Brandon Hastings, Brad Davies, they've, they've been real. Real good to me and Matt Busa, because I mean Matt Busa used to be a teammate of mine when I first started the Peak Series, and we were known as Scale Four Sim Racing at the time. And uh, with Matt Holden, my crew chief, and my spotter Justin Weaver, Matt Holden's actually been really influential in my career. Honestly, I mean he's only missed one race, I think, in the seven years I've been in Peak. So I mean that's pretty pretty reliable teammate right there, and. We actually got paired together from Ashley Hale Gale. He used to be a truck driver, truck series driver back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember him beating Kyle Bush at Homestead, but we were basically like schoolgirls cheering at that point. But um, Matt Holden has been with me for that long. Um, I really, I haven't really talked Christian too much as far as it being a teammate and everything like that. He's been a good teammate with JTG, but we don't do any extensive like setup work together. All that comes from basically this team Connie and uh, myself and stuff like that. But Brandon Hastings is a real, basically the head setup guy over at team Connie. And we kind of basically just come together and try doing what we can as far as the setups and everything like that. We got a lot of testing time we can do and it's been paying off this year for sure. Yeah, with the new package and all. 
All right. Uh, tell us about what was your most memorable moment in iRacing and what is your preferred car number uh, and why? Now, we know you're running the 47, right? Yes, we are running the 47. It's not my preferred number. Um, I've Ever since I've started iRacing, I've been keen on running. I know a lot of people like saying it's 05, but I don't pronounce, pronounce it that way. I call it 05. The reason I call it 05 is because it represents uh story my dad taught me. My dad used to run, used to race back in the 70s and 80s, just at his like, local short track in Hialeah, down in Florida. I think it's closed down now, but he um, told me about the story. He ran 05 because the O represented his his last name. That's favorite number at the time was five as well, so he kind of just paired them together, and i always kind of been, I want to say proud of that story. I mean, it's it's nice, but like, it's just, it's it's just, just real nice to have something, a different meaning in the numbers instead of just seeing like numbers in it, so. As far as the memorable, memorable moment, uh, I got so many of them to be honest with you, Mike, it's hard to tell, but I said my most memorable, memorable probably be 2018 peak opener at Daytona. Oh. That's uh, the big one. Yeah. It's a big race to win, but it's such it's so difficult just to finish. I mean, everyone tells you as far as this real life, you know, cup, Xfinity, and trucks, just how hard it is to finish. I mean, here we're all so close together, and obviously, obviously you're racing on, your, on the internet, so you can't really get as close as you want with competitors, but um, be able to win that race was something special for me, because... I ain't really had too much luck there. But just to be able to kind of control the race with my teammates, with Michael Connie, Brian Schoenberg, and myself, and just run up front the whole race, and ask to be able to hold off some veterans behind me and Mike and Brian was something special because, I mean, it's so hard to ask me how to ride a break majority of the last lap so people didn't get a run on me. So that's probably the most difficult one I actually had. All right, I'm going to ask your educated opinion here. With this new package uh, going into Talladega and then Daytona later, uh, with the tapered spacer instead of a restrictor plate and a, a nine-inch boy spoiler, what do you expect? Uh, how is it going to be different than what we're used to at Daytona and Talladega? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be different? What do you think? I think it's going to be really different. Um, I don't want to speculate too much on it because, I mean, with that nine-inch spoiler, you're not going to be able to see much in front of you. Well, it'll be clear just, the top four inches will be clear. Yeah, I still I still don't think they'll be able to see that well, honestly. I mean, I think a lot of more a lot more checkups, especially on restarts, will happen and get a guy behind you just too antsy to push you to try to stay with you and you can't see cars ahead of them. I think it'll be a little bit hard to kind of keep it green. But, I mean, I think the racing will be exciting. Uh, I think you'll probably see more passing than you really ever see at a plate track. I mean, I, I'm i not really a plate racer, per se, but I mean, I can see a lot of passing happening. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I think that's the big thing I'm looking forward to is uh, how is that going to shake out. I'm afraid the cards are going to be faster than NASCAR thought. One more quick thing, sort of related. The peak races that you've run this year, does the package met with the new package does it match what nascar is doing it does it match what you see is happening in real nascar did iRacing get it right as far as matching the package i think so yeah i mean you got to take into account you know nascar's running 
different tire compounds sometimes compared to what we are running a lot of times at these like mile and a half tracks and super speedways and stuff and yeah taking account also like the aero efficiencies and deficiencies that the car has in real life compared to our racing is they got they got much more stronger stronger wind gusts and everything like that and different angles where it's just it's hard to it's really hard to emulate what real world's doing but i think they've done probably the best job they've done to date as far as nailing the car down which not to knock them but it ain't that hard with all the all horsepower we have to be honest so all right very good well, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show today and telling us about all that. Uh, you know, look, I hope your appeal goes through and you're able to run um, this event coming up. Uh, you know, I think with, there's no drop weeks, but I think, you know, everyone's going to naturally have one because there's so many wrecks. This last race, you know, more than half the field was wiped out there in the last uh, few laps. And uh, I think it's naturally going to happen that people are going to have bad runs. And I think you'll be perfectly all right. Yeah, I think we like I said earlier, man. We'll we'll have a good strong, we'll have strong cars each week. I mean, the guys at JT, our setup guys at Team Connor, they put in so much effort to where we can honestly just rely on just at least having the strongest car at a certain point in the race. We'll have the strongest car, but we just gotta find ways to be consistent and basically adjust the way our way through the race. Because that Auto Club or California Speedway, um. And peak, that's probably the best race I've done adjustment-wise in the race. And unfortunately, that's the only race that we've actually wrecked out of the lead. <laughs> so, I mean, we've, we've been good, like you said. There ain't no drop weeks, but I mean, we've ran, like I said, top five, top ten in basically every race this year. And I, I can't see why we can't still keep that effort going. Yeah, yeah I think you got a good shot at it. So, all right, very good. Let's wrap up with where can fans follow you on social media and uh, anyone you want to thank, uh, like if they want to see, you know, the next time you get some Kroger products, you know, how do they follow you? Well, if they want some Kroger products, they can follow me on Twitter. I do a lot of my social media on that, um, at Nick Ottinger. Uh, hopefully it's not too hard for you guys to spell. <laughs> but you just go on there, look for the ponytail guy in the profile picture. Um, and I, I do a little bit of streaming. We do a little bit of streaming for our peak races every other Tuesday. Um, and possibly we ain't streaming this Tuesday at Richmond, unfortunately. But you guys can follow, follow me on Autoboss47. If you guys would do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Hopefully it will be some good entertainment for you guys because it ain't just us driving in circles. We actually have some good conversations there. And I want to thank you guys for having me on this podcast because some good interview questions here. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we're happy to have you and uh, learn more about you and your efforts. We'll be watching carefully as you go through the Peak Series. Uh, and welcome back anytime. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you All guys right. having me. All right. Very good. Now, we're going to get to topics. But first, let's talk about uh, Sim Racing Authority. Uh, we do sponsor their Sunday Night Xfinity Series and their league event, uh, the iRacers Lounge Podcast Series. Uh, the 150-lap event. Uh at Lucas Oil Raceway, went for five cautions, totaling 24 laps. Lap 60, Freddie De La Rosa claimed the stage victory for 10 bonus points. Freddie went on to claim an additional bonus point for leading the most with 64. E-NASCAR peak driver Jake Nichols would go on to take the checkered flag with 39 laps led. Delonto Bollard came home with a season-high second. 
finish, followed by Josh Robin and Ethan Kurtz, who earned season-high finishes as well in third and fourth. After five weeks, Jake Nichols and Ben Nelson sit atop the point standings only two points apart. Tune in to OSRN on Facebook at 7.30 Eastern next Sunday as they head to Texas Motor Speedway. Good race, and uh, Jake Nichols is cleaning up over there, guys. All right, let's jump into topics. I'll take the first one. Uh, we got Swin Bruckner post about his 0.000 finish, wondering how iRacing decides who won. Randy Cassidy answered that he was beat by one ten thousandths of a second. And he actually posted some data in the forum post. Um, I like a copy-paste from the database. And uh, they show like the the ID number of the driver and then the time stamp. And uh, I, I haven't really figured out how that time stamp, stamp is formatted, but uh, apparently it does read to the ten thousandths of a second. That's I really wonder if it's it actually, yeah, I really wonder if it's actually possible to finish on the same ten thousandth of a second or if it just came down to who who got lucky to get the bit on the computer process first. Well, that, that and it's all done with, you know, network connections and stuff like that. Like, you know, if you had a quicker connection and the signal went faster, does that mean you could get that extra ten thousandths of a second? I'm sure the programmer has to write in a piece of code that says what happens if it ties up, you know, which way does it go or I don't know, but, uh, it is one digit apart from each other and it's, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight digits long. All right. Pretty cool. David, tell us about a flickering track problem. So we have a post with a couple of YouTube videos showing some some tire walls actually flickering quite a bit. Somebody had thought that I had mentioned seeing something similar to this. It happened to me. I was actually running down my the Miami road course coming to the uh, to the final hairpin and saw the just the almost the entire track just went gray for a sudden, like a like a Star Trek holodeck glitch or something. Um, and I just had to kind of had to guess on my brake timing, and it, it just happened once. Uh, not really anything resolved. The staff members are responding and asking them to send the videos, and so I'm sure they'll keep an eye on it. So I think I've seen this as well, personally. It was like the, the grandstands all went like a neon color for a second, and then it went away. Yeah, the 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 tire wall that was flashing it, it it was it was just you know it was flashing rapidly, so it essentially had a, a transparent look almost. Now or translucent. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but there was a release today, and there was a newer thread or a update on this thread that kind of grew where there's a lot of people reporting this issue. And I don't know if it's related to the threat, the build that came out today, but it was, did exist before the build today because uh, you saw it, I saw it, uh, several other people in the forums. All right, Greg, tell us what's next about Fury Modifieds. Okay, so... Iracing tweeted out uh, that they paid a visit to their friend uh, Jay Boz. How do you pronounce the name? Boz Bon Bonz Bonger. Bonzinger? I don't know. Sorry, I butchered that name. I apologize. Uh, to uh, see his Fury ra race car. Now it's basically uh, what we're looking at here on the tweet is it's a modified car. Uh, yeah, I'm pavement it's, modified. It's a really nice looking car. Um, and I guess it stirred up a lot of discussion if, uh, you know, something that we're going to get added to uh, iRacing then. Yeah, they basically hinted that they are scanning it. Now, I understand that this guy builds 
uh, these modifieds and uh, and a lot of the current modified drivers buy this particular uh, chassis which is called fury and uh, and it's an update because the old uh, pavement modified in i racing is an old one that really isn't run anymore so this would you know they're basically updating the car it'd be interesting to see that'll be another pavement oval car that uh, see how that goes if partace participation goes for it i'd be into it i actually own the old one i think so all right, pretty cool. Chris, uh, let's talk about Mike Conti. Wow, he got to go to Hendrick? Yeah, he uh, tweeted the other day. He said, uh, I was able to spend some time at Team Hendrick the other week prepping the Lumar Films iRacing sim for this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Motion and all, it's pretty awesome. Check it out if you're in attendance this weekend. Obviously, Texas has passed, but yeah, pretty cool. We'll say he got to go to Hendrick and help them get this set up for the race weekend. I thought that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I, I, I guess I'm confused. Is it that he helped him set up the sim that they had at the track or did he got to use the Chevy simulator in, in Charlotte? I'm thinking that he got to set up what they were using at the track okay. at Hendrick. I yeah, think. that's what it sounds like. That's pretty cool. Getting no ground floor, you know, on that team, you know, as an intern or, hey, this is our sim guy or something, you know. They're going to have an open spot for a driver in two years. All right, David, don't be blue. A patch before midseason. I'm tempted to sing. Um, John Henry is dropping hints that there's going to be a patch midseason, which might be pointing towards some more work on the tire model. A couple of hints there, and he also concluded uh, some of the statement by pointing out that the problem that was discovered in the skippies uh, with the gaining grip as the tire got hotter and got into more slip angle was a matter had more to do with with the car itself rather than the V7 tire because it's one of the oldest models that's still in the sim. Uh, they are working on it. It's still in testing. It's not finished, but he's dropping hints. Very cool that they're going to put up an update for the tire. Not this build, obviously, um, but maybe a future one. Again, I've, as I said before, I appreciate the fact that it, I thought it was a really good idea to put something like this out for one car and let something be discovered before it feels like it's broken the game for everybody in the entire sim. Yeah, and of course, stuff got discovered, and you know, it turns out that this is the actual first car that iRacing ever built, and it hasn't been updated. So, All right, so let's talk about Season 2 patch. Greg? So I guess uh, they were planning on doing it Tuesday, but I guess it got moved to this morning or today. Thursday, um, yep. It uh, wasn't a great big uh, update, but there were some updates in it. Uh, it looks like the beta UI got some uh, update, uh, some new stuff for the Internet Explorer. Um, just minor fixes to some tracks and cars, Dirt Late Model, tracks of Bristol, Charlotte, Eldora. So just uh, some basic stuff. Oh, Looks also there's some pit stop animations fixed on the IndyCar, so we'll check that out in the uh, patch notes on the iRacers page or on the iRacers page or, uh, iRacing page. One thing I want to point out on the member site, um, the website, they did a change with HTTPS, where the forums are now HTTPS instead of HTTP. And that has broken some stuff from what I read in the forums. It broke the thing where you could turn the forums uh, gray instead of white with a plug-in for Chrome. 
that's broken. Uh, and now there was also an app for Android that you could read the forms with. That's broken as well until it gets updated. Um, so uh, they made that slight change and it kind of broke those third-party tools with the forms. Hammer's probably losing it. He liked that ch the uh, gray background. Yep. Yeah, it's gone. But it, somebody will fix it. You know, it's not a big deal. I the, my understanding is, it goes back and forth um, when they show if there's a a photo that a user has put in the forum post that is a third source. You know, third party source. Then the, it won't be a secure website, but if there is no photo, then it would be secure. So as you go from page to page, it can change from one to the other, I think. Okay, I'm moving on to the next one. Uh, when I saw this, I called it uh, Podcast Gold. And uh, it's a long post by John Henry, really about the history of iRacing. And I found it intriguing uh, because... This is not really documented anywhere. We talk about iRacing a lot, and there's not like a place on the internet you can go and just see, okay, what is the history of iRacing? And so I'm going to read some of this because I think it's uh, very pertinent to what we do and talk about a lot. All right. <clears throat> While most of you think the birth of iRacing as the summer of 2008, the company actually started with a lunch that Dave Kamer, Steve Myers, and I had 16 years ago in Boston. By the end of that lunch, we had decided to work together to create all of this. Dave's primary interest that day was in creating a new generation of physics. He had been a pioneer in racing simulation and had sold Papyrus to Sierra, who sold it to Vivendi. He, have, he was essentially retired racing Skip Barber 2000 cars. Dave, Steve, Randy, Grant, Greg, and Sean, with Papyrus closing its doors, brought into my primary interest creating a racing service and community. I had been racing online with about 60 friends across the U.S. four nights a week. We called it RSR, which still exists as a racing league here, although I haven't participated in many years. Anyway, um, moving ahead. I'm kind of skipping up uh, here just a minute. But at the core group of, pi of papyrus artists and code coders, a very strong group that remains virtually intact today, who added many talented people to the core and turned ideas into reality. Ideas are a dime a dozen, but cre creating the entirety of what iRacing is now and will become remains the results of a group of passionate racing enthusiasts. I remember trying to make a deal with Vivendi executives to purchase the Papyrus Code one day in New York City. The head guy leaned back in his chair and said, these guys will never create anything saleable because they are such racing purists. We set about to uh, form iRacing in 2003 with the goal of creating a service and a next generation of physics, <clears throat> but a critical element was sanctioning. We created first to sanctioning official racing. Then we made the decision to create all of our own content to effectively control cheating and quality, and this created such an uproar that at the time some called us Nazis. It was hard in those days to ask the community to trust us, but in order to create a financially sustainable business that would carry us forward with the capabilities needed to continually improve all aspects of this endeavor, we couldn't make it work any other way. And it has worked. We became financially sustainable in 2012. While we have not recouped the initial investments, that was not the goal. The goal was to be sustainable and enduring as the finest community of racers in the world. And we are, with the most talented racers in the world, participating globally. 
Steve likes to remind me that iRacing literally is the first eSport. Being marginally profitable for each of the last seven years, that has allowed us to grow and plan for a very long-term future. We are moving offices shortly in order to create more space for developers. Growth means more engineers, more ability to move everything forward, but the main goal here remains to nurture an environment and simulation that is the best available and getting better every day. Uh, and that's it. But a lot of stuff there. Wow. So it's moving offices. It sounds like they got a big move coming ahead, but it's interesting to see the background into what they were. Like uh, I remember all the Papyrus games and all that stuff back in in the day there before iRacing became big and stuff. I used to always race like NASCAR 2003, NASCAR 4, all those ones before uh, that were developed by Sierra and, then, and that stuff. So it's kind of nice to hear about that again. Yeah. And uh, it's cool that it all came together, and it's it's where it is today. It's a sustainable pro- product, you know, with a long-term future um, and so forth. So it is pretty cool to hear all that. Uh, when I, The first time I really started to try out iRacing was in its early days. And one of the things that had just drawn, I was running R-Factor a lot those days. And we the rules package in I, iRacing as far as how it handled uh, cautions and lucky dogs and was in better shape than than our factor even at the time i struggled that though because the physics were quite so different i had that it took me a long time to adjust to i racing then when i came back and i started only only doing i racing and didn't do our factor anymore i think i'd remove that bias yeah so uh thank you to john henry for posting that long form uh post to really tell us how this thing started and it's kind of neat to hear all right, Chris, uh, tell us about Portuguese. Uh, yeah, next um, was a post on the forums from Tony Gardner. He was um, responding to um, Raphael Sank. I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he is the founder of um, IRB Esports, um, iRacing Brazil Esports. And I guess um, they've um, kind of I, them, themselves and iRacing have kind of worked together over the years to try to grow iRacing in Brazil and try to grow, you know, um, iRacing as a service to Brazil. And so as part of that response, he, um, Tony Gardner also said that excited right now, we are working on a Portuguese language spotter pack to add to the sound tab and iRacing as a spotter option. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Sounds like iRacing is growing in Brazil. And it'd be <laughs> awesome if you're Portuguese, that you'll get a, a spotter pack that you can actually understand. Okay, so I want to run the Portuguese spotter pack, even though I can't understand it, and just see how it is, you know, in an oval race, and just well, it'd, it'd be it'd be you, interesting. It'd probably teach you a little little bit of Portuguese because you're already gonna know a lot of what he's trying to tell you, you know, right. car high, car low, car high, so, yeah, car low, right? He always says the sound that sounds like car low. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be fun just to try, you know. All right, David, uh, tell us about VRS GT Team Endurance Series Season 2 Issues. So I think this is a little bit of old, old hat news because we're in what, week three or four. But uh, week one, the Sprint Series and the Endurance Series didn't line up. And uh, like particularly, we try to run the Le Mans Endurance Series. So I always like to run a lot of the Le Mans Sprint Series just to get practice runs. I always seem to learn more in a race than to do in a practice session. Well, they 
they simply weren't lined up and there was a post a reply saying that, that the schedule's fixed but they can't make the changes until week two because sessions had already started and then at some point they said it was just a simple mistake with with them having 72 schedules to set so it happens i, I mean you can see the spelling errors in the last post i did on the on the Teflosi page yeah 72 <laughs> series i thought that was interesting i never knew the number but it's 72, apparently, a uh, series that iRacing is scheduling for. It seems like a, a really big number, eh, when you think about it. Like, you know, spread it spread it out with how many people are on the service. Like, that's a lot of th different things that are offered to all the people on the service. Well, you can't say there's not enough, apparently. I mean, that's, like you said, that seems like it's a lot. So, uh, should there I be remember. less? I remember when there wasn't much at all when I first, the first years, it was quite skim for a while. You were always, you know, like even, you know, my first, I think my first 12 weeks were spent in one car and two different tracks and that's it. I already have to choose things not to do just because I want to make sure I'm still doing good in the things I do. Like, for example, I dropped fixed racing this year and I'm only doing open yeah, it's not bad to focus on a, a particular genre or, or car or track or whatever uh, instead of jumping around because jumping around can mess you up. But all right, uh, Greg, tell us about if I were a rich man. So it looks like we're starting to see some of the uh, esports perks uh, showing up here. So the first one here, I bring it up. Uh, Josh Fox at Josh Fox Twelve. Posted huge thanks to uh, Williams Esports for setting him up with Fanatic Club Sport package. So, posted a picture of his new uh, setup there, all mounted up. Uh, and then down next looks like uh, Blake Reynolds got went to Texas Motor Speedway. He was posting about it, and uh, guess he uh, really enjoyed the race. Um, yeah, that's Team Austin Dillon uh, took him to yeah, the race. Team Austin Dillon did that one. Uh, it looks like another Williams Esports uh, for Matt Busa has also hooked up him up with the Fanatic uh, series as well for uh, eNASCAR Peak Series. So good on that. And then the Wood Brothers. Um, looks like Logan Clampett has gotten some uh, stuff from the Wood Brothers uh Made up. It looks for the, for them though for their uh, t-shirts, esports series stuff. So no, it looks he's like with he got, uh, he's with the Bur Burton Kligerman. Burton, sorry, it was Burton. I got the wrong one. Then sorry about that. Um, Burton East Kligerman uh, esports. But those are really, I actually really like those hats and no, the, the shirts uh, look like really nice. Yeah, the Wood Brothers was Chris Overland. They sent him a Sim Seats uh, rig, a uh, yeah, uh, standard uh, you know non-motion rig, but it's really nice. Yeah, sorry seats. about that. I clicked the wrong link there. And then uh, our friend Nick Ottinger, he got toilet paper. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sounds I'm like he's got sorry, something Nick, in the maybe works. Maybe he'll get a wheel or a computer or something. Yeah, but it sounds like he said there's something in the works that he hasn't shared yet. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure they're going to take good care of him. A All new right. car. <laughs> Congratulations. Who knows? I mean, this thing grows. Getting this. I mean, if you if you hear what Parker Parker Kligerman has said about this, he says in the coming years that people will be able to make a living doing this, and he says it with uh, you know, uh, not that it's a pipe dream. It, you know, he's he's serious about it, and and he should know because he's the guy who kind of got this thing started. I think with the draft and the teams and all that. I think he was probably instrumental in all that. But 
Uh, it's interesting that he said that. So you know how Junior has a car graveyard out on his property, right? Yeah. We should uh, get a uh, iRacing equipment graveyard out somewhere. Yeah, it'd be cool. Make a little website. Bet you Dale Earnhardt will eventually have stuff in his yard that's iRacing <laughs> equipment graveyard. All right, uh, David, Porsche Esports Super Cup is coming. Yes, Porsche is expanding its one-make motorsports to include the virtual championship. Uh, I glanced over this and saw something along the lines of a $100,000 prize pool. Um, but they posted an announcement about it. It involves the 911 GT3 Cup car. By adding an esports racing competition to our established series of one-make cups, we are extending our footprint in the world of motorsports and allowing sim racers to join the global Porsche Motorsports family. And then included in our link is a really nice promotional video, uh, almost documentary style, uh, with an event where the top 35 racers in it, that made it through the Porsche Championship last time all got to go race live, and they got to go right on the real tracks. They got to go out on these drift tracks, which are basically almost like the Central Pita Circuit, where there's just some cones, and you can spin the car around as much as you want. Um, there were there were real race drivers, there were sim race drivers, and they were all kind of uh, checking each other's side of the world out. It was very very nice video, a good watch, not ter not too terribly long either. Yeah, I thought the video was good. Now the video was actually put out by Porsche about the event in December. Uh, that was done in uh, Germany, I believe, uh, where they invited a bunch of sim racers like Sage Karam was there and Mitchell DeJong and uh, several other of our stars uh, had were, were invited to that event and uh, showed a lot of video about kind of how that event went down and kind of the equipment they were using, what they got to do on the real track and, like you said, off track as well. It looked pretty cool. They were actually going out on the real track and then coming around and doing the same thing on the sim for comparison. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, uh, Chris, NIS 2019 Weekly Participation Thread. Yep, it's a forum thread. Um, just like, as you said, NIS 2019 Weekly Partici Participation Thread. And you can um, keep up on all the NIS numbers. And uh, the post that we are looking at today is um, all the fixed numbers for NIS fixed um, from Daytona through Texas. And all of the races are uh, are up from the participation from last year, um, starting Daytona at 16%, and then mostly up from there, um, up in a 30, 40, and even up to 57% increase over last year um, in Texas last week. Notice the jump between event number three and four. What happened about that time? Yeah, oh, the, yeah, new, the new car. Yep. What? But what? What would you think that? You know, I mean, obviously everybody shows up for Daytona, but what do you think? Do you think it's just the package that made Texas go up 57%? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I really do. The package, and it's the week after Martin, or yeah, Martinsville. <laughs> the people that skipped Martinsville are coming back, and everybody. But even Martinsville is up. Well, all of them are yeah. up. That's, yep. that's amazing. I'm really glad to see that. Fixed is. I wonder what open ends up being. The package is new. I mean, and so everybody thinks, cool, it's new. And they are expecting, because of the restrictor plate nature of, or the reduced horsepower, they're expecting that some of the guys who've been on the slower side will have a better chance. And we've seen that. Uh, some people are seeing themselves run better on tracks than they in the past. I'm struggling a little, a little bit more in the mile and a half, but I'm tearing it up on the short tracks pretty decently. 
Now, look at these numbers. I mean, Texas, 57% more participation this year than last. Um, and then Daytona was 16, Atlanta 20, Vegas 14, ISM 37, Auto Club 34, Martinsville 24, and then the high was Texas 57. You know, NASCAR, if they had numbers like that, they would be really happy. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see NIS uh, continuing to be the premium series that a lot of people are running, and I'm glad that participation is up. That's good to see. If you notice, do you see that the Sunday night, if you go down to the bottom of the page, you look at the Sunday night numbers, it seems to be a lot higher on Sunday night. Well, Friday night and Sunday night are the two high nights. That's where the growth is. I'm wondering if it's, you know, Sunday nights after watching the race on TV, people wanting to get on and race. Let's try it. Yeah, I I do that. I watch the NASCAR race, and I'm like, okay, let's go run it and and win, you know? I listen while I run a road course somewhere. All right, next up, uh, a streamed basic setup building class is starting April 4th, okay? This is put on by Christian Chaloner, who is a peak driver. Um, He is from the UK. Uh, He put up this post in the forums, um, and it basically... um, He's going to focus on D-class road cars this week. Um, It'll take about two hours, and he's going to do it on his Twitch channel, which is uh, Christian underscore C37. And it'll start at 1700 Eastern, uh, Thursday, April 4th. So it's over with. Oh, we missed it. Okay. But he's going to do it weekly, apparently, and so this will be an ongoing thing. Uh, He's got a QA and a in the forum about... Uh, what he's going to do about uh, this training, uh, what he's going to talk about, what he's going to teach. And, boy, it's what a neat opportunity, you know. Uh, I just went on his Twitch page. You can go and re-watch it. Uh, he has uh, enabled um, it to be recorded, so you can go and check it uh, in his Twitch um, stream up there. You, you don't have to watch it live. You can always go back and watch it. Yeah, cool. Very neat of Christian to do that. Uh, he is no slouch, and um, I'm sure there's some good tips to be you know picked up if you're a, a road car driver. So its thing is twitch.tv slash Christian underscore C37. All right. I think I need to look at that. I didn't get to watch it uh, yet. All right, uh, Greg, tell us about the 410 non-winged car. So... Uh post was uh, originally written from Trevor Fisher talking about how uh, the 410 uh, non-wing car seemed to be something wasn't right on it um, and it looked like Steve staff member Steve uh, Reese uh, uh, got back to him saying that um, he's going to go back to a little bit of the older physics uh, and the alpha gr- with the alpha group and uh, try some stuff with it so maybe there's going to be some updates coming to the 410 non-wing car. Okay. Yeah, it was right, and now it's not right. That's what I've been reading. Yeah, something about the summer of last year is when it was probably at its best, and there was most participation then. Even though it was still low in participation, it was the most then. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Logan Clampett, uh, Peak Driver. He actually posted on Twitter a screenshot of uh, the uh, 305 winged uh, dirt sprint car results. 
uh, of who was in his race. And none other than Mr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in there, as well as T.J. Majors. And it uh, looks like Dale Earnhardt is learning how to race dirt. He Pretty actually cool. referred that, about that on his podcast. A couple, I think it was last week or this week, he was talking about it, getting into the dirt side and starting from the bottom and going up. Is it yeah. uh, dirt actually a little bit less of a thing in North Carolina and they mostly run asphalt? Yeah, yeah I think it's new to him. He has an asphalt team outside of NASCAR parts st- stuff doing. He has Yeah, he came guys. up through pavement late, mo- late models, yeah. But, uh, hey, well, we're happy to have Dale on as a guest, just like anybody else. Uh, he feeds out there racing. Come on on, Dale. Uh, hit me up. Uh, Chris, uh, let's talk about, well, I hate to talk about NASCAR heat. Like, that's a bad word. But, wow, they're trying to ask for some serious cash. Yeah, this is a uh, tweet sent out by Adam Stern. He said, uh, organizers of the new eNASCAR Heat Pro League are asking mid to high six figures annually for the league's naming rights. Sources say an early indicator of monetization plans for the series. Some sources peg the asking price at 750000 annually. <laughs> so, yeah, they're asking a lot of money. Okay, so how does this tie into what we do and what we talk about? Well... The Peak Antifreeze Series is called the Peak Antifreeze Series for a reason. What do they pay? Nobody really knows. But it's got to be similar to this, uh, this number that's been thrown out of 750000 That's what NASCAR Heat's asking. I wonder what, you know, um, iRacing is asking for for the Peak Series. You know, what is Peak paying? I doubt they pay that. But as NASCAR's involvement uh, this year has increased with these draft and the teams, uh, who knows what it is for next year and whatnot? What do you guys think? I don't see them getting this. I don't That's think a lot, they're yeah. worth it. Yeah, I think this is yeah, it's more like a an iRacing type budget. I don't think they're they're worth that kind of money. But yeah, I mean if if um if they do and it gets more eyeballs on sim racing, I guess that'll probably bleed into our stuff anyway. But man, that sounds like a lot to me. Remember, a part of the marketing goal with with heat is appealing to a broader audience now another uh if you look in the thread below it adam stern also says the pro league uh, could add two more teams under its current plan of having up to 16 and sources say the franchise expansion fee being sought is between 50,000 and 100,000 teams are typically seeking around 50,000 annually for a season-long primary sponsorship and did you notice that one of the first responses under that post is Logan Clampett? And he just replied a couple of laughy faces. Yeah, laughing is right. They're not going to get that kind of money. <laughs> yeah. You can always ask for it. Somebody's I guess start high, at right? Some point. Yep, yep. Start high. Some, if they don't ask for it, if they say 100000 and someone's going to pay, pay 700000 you left money on the table, right? Might as well start high and you can always go lower. Yeah, you never know with companies with a marketing budget. You know, they're they got a, you know trying to spend some money. Uh, they don't know what they're getting into, and who knows? I don't know how it works. Okay, Greg, shooting star. Uh, at Riot Racing uh, Twitter page uh, posted a funny video uh, from the Texas race this week. Um, Bobby Zelinski's car spitting and then uh, going up in the air, and it looks like it went into outer space. And uh, it was a very uh, creative. I think video. they added that kind of, in. It just uh, it was just nice to see you know a lighter side to uh, you know 
an accident like that. And I guess, you know, there's some people talking about the physics and stuff not being real, but it's just a video. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. You know, they kind of made a joke out of it. Uh, talking about jokes, uh, I'll take the next one. E-Racing April Fools uh, was put on by none other than Dinner with Racers, which is a, a great podcast I actually recommend. I do have, uh, am subscribed to that, where basically these two guys, um, they're road racers, they sit down with uh, people and have dinner with them and do long format conversation uh, podcast recording uh, with various people um, and they're usually like legendary motorsports icons. And so it's very interesting to listen to. But anyway, they put out a very slick video on April Fool's Day called E-Racing. Uh, and they're going to debut E-Racing. And uh, that's what the video is about. And it's kind of like uh, uh, iRacing, but uh, in their own way. Did you guys see this? I'm watching it right now, but it... It's it's already uh, making me put a smile on my face. It's pretty funny. Yeah, what's what's interesting too is they get uh, they have cameos of different people. Like for example, James Hinchcliffe, the IndyCar driver, telling us about e racing and uh, why we should be involved in it. But uh, I don't know. That was the only April Fool's thing I saw. There wasn't anything put out by iRacing as an uh, April Fool's joke. Like they've kind of done in the past, uh, they kind of missed it this week, this year. It, this just gets better and better. You work the further you get into it. It's well done. Good job, guys. All right, and now for the final topic, uh, we'll go to Phil at Phil's pit stop. This is your scheduled pit stop. I'm Phil Linden. This week, iRacing staff member Alex Horn announced an NIS-style series for IndyCar called the IndyCar iRacing Series. Like NIS, the ICIS will only have four time slots per week and races will follow the real-life schedule, including shortened and full-length races. This is great for the IndyCar community on the sim. From my experience, Indy races tend to be good, clean racing, but participation hasn't been its forte. A virtual series that follows the same schedule as a real-world championship will drive participation. NIS consistently has high marks and continues to grow in popularity year over year, We can even look to endurance races like 24 Hours at Daytona or Le Mans and see the same result. That brings up an interesting question, though. If mocking real schedules is so popular, then why up until now have we only had NIS? The answer comes down to the tracks. All 24 tracks on the NASCAR Cup schedule are in the sim already. With Formula One, for example, only 9 of 20 are in iRacing. To be fair, this is all for good reason. NASCAR tracks just make sense. They're not used all that frequently, they only have a few layouts, they're simple to scan, and they're all in the US. F1, GT, and other international series have tracks all over the world. Some have complicated layouts, and others have temporary layouts like street courses. And even for American oval racing, asphalt, or dirt, there are so many regional tracks that the sheer numbers just get out of hand. Let's not forget that the iRacing dev team also has roots in NASCAR Racing 2003, and an already good relationship with NASCAR itself. So this all makes sense for why we have NIS. Now looking at IndyCar, and it basically comes for free. All the NASCAR ovals are already in the sim, we've got the car, and that's it. So what series is next in line for the real-life schedule treatment? My money is on IMSA. The real schedule has 13 races, 
and of those, iRacing already does four as special events. All but one of the tracks on the real schedule are already in the sim. The one that's missing is Long Beach, which has actually been scanned already as a tech track and just never made it to the end of development. So they've got the tracks, they've got the cars, now just finish Long Beach or even swap it out for something fun like Nürburgring, and you've got a good series there. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The first season of the IndyCar iRacing series starts April 9th for C-Class drivers, and you get two drop weeks. Make them count. I had help this week from teammate Mark Antonucci. And that's it for Phil's Pit Stop. Back to Mike and the guys for a hardware software. Thanks, Phil. IndyCar racing NIS style sounds pretty cool. I think I'm going to probably run on Fridays when my schedule changes up here shortly. Um, and then now the Indy 500 is part of that series as well, and I, I think I'll be running that too. All right, with that, let's get right into hardware software. David, uh, a new rig, a PlaySeat F1 Red version. It's a nice little uh, PlaySeat. If you're familiar with PlaySeat, it's uh, it's prone where you can sit. It's fully adjustable. It's prone. You sit sits in the F1 style where your feet are up high. Uh, I was actually looking at this one last week. The price is around twelve hundred bucks. It's it's nice and red, uh, very colorful. Looks comfortable. Uh, ran a endurance race a few weeks ago, and I'm still having issues with basically my tailbone getting sore. So I was tempted. I'm curious if I would enjoy sitting in that position or not, since I mostly run stock cars and sports cars. Uh, I spoke with, I think, Mason. His only big concern with the play seat design is that the, the column is in the middle, and it might it might make it harder to get to the pedals. But uh, it's a very nice-looking rig. Wow. What a design. It's so low-profile. There's not much to it. You got the seat. You got a, a thing coming up between your legs for the, the wheel to set on. There's nothing for gear shift or mouse or keyboard or any of that crap. And then there's a place for the pedals. And the late and the seat is like really laid back. It's like a it's like a 45 degree angle, maybe even more than 45 degrees. Um, that would be my concern, David. Would you be comfortable laying down like that? Yeah, I'd have no way to know unless I got a chance to try it out first. Uh, your feet are as high as your chest, pretty much. Once you're once you're fully set in it. But, you know, if you're in an open-wheel car, that is the typical position, you know. Looking through the uh, reviews here, it's scored pretty high on comfort and design and all that. Like, there's not very... I don't see one single bad review in here for it. It looks nice, too. And it looks sleek, you know, and minimalistic. Well, um, I'm, in a, I'm in a tight space, so what tempted me towards it is how small the footprint was. Yeah, it's very low-profile. I'm trying to see if this one has the up option to add, because some of the play seat stuff, they have the option to add the uh, shifter bracket. I don't know if this one does or not. I have to see. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, it, the website is playseatstore.com. I run a play seat, but not this version of it. But it, it, I can vouch for play seat. They are pretty good quality. Yeah, this is a uh, Formula One red is what they call it. You can and, get it in multiple different colors and even a Red Bull version. This one is the first one that's actually fully Formula One licensed, in fact. All right, next up, uh, Greg, VRS Direct Force Comparison. This time it's Martin Kroenke. So uh, Martin Kroenke was, uh, uh, was interested in the direct drive at one point here. I guess he had a buddy um, that uh, had a Leo Botner. 
um, some Simster V1, I believe it was, and uh, he was uh, went and you and you know basically tried it out, and then I guess he's been working with the VRS Direct Drive Force uh, controller that's coming up, the controller, and he says at first he had typical, it had some typical prototype issues. But later on, those issues were resolved and uh, had no comparison as far as wheels go. Um, they were even able to tweak the resolution issue with the motor using the sim steering V1. Um, I guess he's he switched back and forth between the Leo Botner and the VRS controller, and he's trying to find differences still. Like so, he's still in the process of working it, but he's written up a pretty good summary of how he's felt going through this process so far on the vrs uh, page okay so yeah he just swapped out with the leo bodner the controller part basically got it to where there weren't differences so saying hey this is just as good as a leo bodner controller so yeah i'm still a little uh, iffy on how that's going to work as a full product but it might come up uh with this next story that we have coming up uh, but first, Chris, uh, tell us about P2, PT2 pedal sets. Well, you're not going to get any. <laughs> cause, uh, sold they, out. Uh, yep, sold out in just under an hour. So um, he did say that, uh, obviously, since they sold out so quickly, the next batch is going to be bigger. So if you order the next batch, then you have a better chance of getting them. But he hasn't said yet uh, when that next batch is going to be from what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing. Yeah, his say? his website is protosimtech.com. How many was in this batch? Did it say? Um, oh, I didn't say on the website. It just says sold out now. On the MV when I've said. seen pictures, it's like two dozen or something. And they, they look they're they're really nice looking pedals. Four hundred eighty dollars US uh, plus shipping. Uh, the website protosimtech.com. Uh, these are the PT twos, and uh, from what I've heard, very very popular. Um, one guy that I follow, Jeff Ford, who makes computers and sells them, he tries everything. He tries every kind of product out there and he loves these, uh, particular set of pedals over, uh, some of the more expensive ones that are available. So the other thing that Proto Simtech uh, announced there, Chris, was, uh, they have a, a new product, uh, potentially coming up. I did see that, but I never, I couldn't see anything about what the product would be. I guess maybe there wasn't anything. He That's didn't say anything <laughs> about what it is, but it's different than pedals is kind of the way I took it. He says, I've been working on it for the past year, and I'm finally getting close to finishing it. And so expect some new product from ProtoSim Tech. All right. Uh, next up, a SimuCube. And so it starts with first we get some leaks of some pictures of what it looks like uh there's a big red emergency stop button there's a uh, motor uh it's fairly uh rectangular looking I, it doesn't really have a, a sticker on it to tell me what it is uh and some uh a connector on the back that has uh several uh connections that you can put in it looks like ethernet cables and power and control and different things but it's, it looks like a really nice direct drive wheel and this is the updated simu cube uh two as they're going to call it and so there was another uh picture 
of a guy in an 8020 uh, rig driving it, uh, where it showed it mounted. Um, and then uh, finally, there was a post just today that I found uh, that announced the SimuCube 2. They call it the Next Generation Direct Drive Wheelbase. And uh, I kind of read through this, and they do have a website. It is uh, simuq.be. So they put a dot in the middle of the word cube between cu.be. And so the website is simuqube, but with that dot in it. And uh, what do you guys think of the, about this announcement? Um, I don't know yet what the differences are. I'm trying to figure that out. It's hard but, to find out what it is. Well, what if, they've posted. if you go onto the website and scroll down to the orange section, you'll see there's actually three different options. They got the, the MuCube 2 Sport. They got the SimuCube 2 Pro. And then they got the SimuCube 2 Ultimate. And the difference is 17 nanometers versus 25 versus 32 and so that's the amount of torque uh, that the motor provides. So there's going to be three options. So if you click on the Pro, the middle one, it says MSRP is, in euros, 1470 Includes a wheelbase, power supply, cables, stop button. So it doesn't have an actual wheel that goes with it. So what do you guys think? A, a, com a competitor for the Fanatec uh, DD1 or DD2? Uh, David, does this compare? I won't be able to tell you until I get one and try it. Yeah. How many NMs was a Fanatec one? 20 and 25. So the one, the, so the, the middle one would match. DD1 the... was 20 and DD2 uh, is 25. So that would match up with the SimuCube 2 Pro, which is 25. That's the one force, uh, 1,470 euros, but no wheel. Does yours come with a wheel? No. I, no. I've already got the two rims that I that I got from them with my CSL base. Well, I love that there's other options out here. And um, I think when you first bought the initial SimuCube, it was more of a do-it-yourself thing. This looks like a product, you know, that's plug-and-play, ready to go. They don't seem to be nearly as bulky as the belt-driven systems either. Yeah, pretty low profile. Uh, I well, mean, it doesn't it, have to be. It's just the motor, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the power supply is separate, uh, you know, and you run cables. The direct drives let you run, like, you can put the motor down. If you if you connect, like, a drive shaft or anything to it, you can put the those bases pretty much anywhere then and run it, you know, run a shaft up to the, your steering wheel, and you can kind of change the angles and stuff that way with these direct drive systems. The other belt-driven ones you really can't do that with. I have a goal this summer to get a direct drive wheel. And I've been thinking about the DD2 from Fanatec. I'm also hoping AccuForce puts out a version 3 of their wheel soon. Kind of waiting for that. Um, but this is a neat option too, and I might consider this. You know, I don't know if I want to buy a product from Europe, but I guess I would if I was getting a Fanatec. See, the thing with the direct drive from Fanatec is it's the people that already have the infrastructure behind it. So if you already have a base through Fanatec, Purchasing that base is not going to be a problem because you already have your wheels and stuff like that. It's when you start from scratch is it's when it's going to be the big investment, right? Yeah, and that's where I'm at because all I got is the G27. So I'm going to be throwing that in the garbage and, you know, buying everything from scratch here. Now we're going to throw it in the iRacing uh, 
equipment graveyard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Greg, tell us about TeamSpeak Night version. So it looks like they've finally added, TeamSpeak has finally added uh, a night version of it uh, so that you can, I guess it's not so uh, hard on the eyes. Uh, so um, I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been added to it. Uh, well, okay, so it wasn't TeamSpeak. It was a, a, a website called esportracinggroup.com. They have a download of some kind of plugin that you can download for that's called TeamSpeak Night, and I tried it and it's pretty awesome. It makes your TeamSpeak black instead of white, like inverse colors. Night version. Sounds sounds like it'll be an interesting look here. So I guess there's a bunch of tools with it too that they've added in. There's a bunch of stuff they have here. This was the most interesting thing I found uh, was the TeamSpeak Night download. I did try it. You have to run it. And then once it's once you've run it, you have to go into the settings in TeamSpeak, and under I think styles or themes, there's a drop down, and you have to pick dark, and then boom, it's black. It, it's kind of cool. So the website again is esportracinggroup.com. Scroll down a little past halfway, you'll see several download buttons where they have different things. They got an MU converter, which is that that software you need for telemetry with Motec. They got a workbook that you can use that you need to go with that. Uh, they got a link to the spotter packs and different things. Uh, um, some setup uh, PDFs and stuff like that. Now, I haven't looked at those, but um, there's quite a bit of neat stuff on this website. They got a nice website here. I'm unauthorized. <laughs> Say what? Yeah, so I have to try to download it. I just it's unauthorized. Uh, it's your your browser is trying to protect you. Probably, yep. They'll find a way around that. All right, next up, uh, David, the most innovative sim product for 2019, the GS5 G Seat Review. Okay, if you have three thousand dollars to spend, this might be your seat. Uh, it's a very nice review. I did not make it all the way through the video, but I, just the first two minutes has me salivating. It's a seat that. It comes, you know, rigs sold separately. It's attachable, mountable to any other rig you might set up, I suppose. It has basically four butt kickers that are that work in kind of a lever approach. Uh, two of them are on your back and two of them are on your on your seat. And it actually gives you the full range of motion to, to do all six axes of motion. Uh, you, you can simulate acceleration, braking, both of the turns. And also if all four of them hit, you can feel the bumps. And the, all of these kickers are actually built into the seat. Uh, it's a very fascinating uh, build. And if you have the money, maybe some of the peak guys might be picking some of these up as well. Yeah, this is a video by The Sim Pit. And uh, they did a great review of this uh, chair. And you really get this guy's honest opinion about what he thinks about it. The good, the bad, uh he said it was intense at times racing with it. It's a totally different experience than a regular motion rig because he feels like it's a, it feels like sustained G's as you go through a corner, that flap is pushing against you um, and that kind of thing. Or as you hit the brakes, it pushes you forward in the seat kind of thing. And uh, I just love this product. We've talked about it so much. Uh, it's definitely on my wish list. Uh, you could take this thing and bolt it onto any stationary cockpit and have uh, pretty much motion. 
So I think this is the better idea with the seat, like the sustained force. Like when you, if you have one of those motion rigs that when you make a turn or you're sliding, it slides and then that's it. There's nothing after the slide. It's it's what you want to feel is that sustained pressure so that you can correct it or it's just there, right? Well, ultimately, people are saying get this on a with a traditional motion rig and the seat, and that's the ultimate. You know, that's the best of both worlds. You get different things from the motion rig than you do from the motion seat, so to speak. And so, uh, by combining them, that's the ultimate. And so, uh, the guy in the video said that he intends to try that next. He's going to put it on a motion rig and see how that works. He's got some nice setups. This guy. Definitely does a really good job with all the reviews on the sim pit. I love it. Uh, he said the seat's not comfortable, but you got to remember, at the end of the day, it is a racing seat. It is a what's called Kirky. That's a brand. They actually build real racing seats, and that's what this is. And then it's been outfitted with, obviously, the GS5 motion simulator stuff uh, with these movable flaps. Price is high, but it looks it's tempting. I want it, but, yeah, price is high. Okay. One more quick note before we jump into results. If you are a Fanatech customer and you've done business with them on their website, guess what? They got hacked and all your stuff is out there in the public. Now, they say they didn't uh, lose the credit cards. They just lost your name and other you know, identifying information. And so be aware of that. Next time you log into Fanatech, they are going to force a password change. All right. Yeah. Good, all good luck with that, Greg. They can have all my shitty debt. And and David, are you any concerned about them being hacked? Mm, nah, I've got a whole lot of the ID protection stuff set up, so yeah. All right. Let's get into NIS results. Uh, finish up Texas. Uh, Thursday fixed. I ran. Got a P14. I had a good run going, and someone got me uh, from behind, actually. I did recover f nicely from that for a 14th. Uh, because that was a tough week for me at Texas uh, overall. Uh, Friday open, uh, Chris P7 for you. Yeah, it was. Um, I had a bad race Wednesday, and so it was kind of a boring race. I just I rode around avoiding uh, pretty much everybody for the first three quarters of the race, and then race at the end when there was only 12 cars on the lead lap. So it kind of wasn't much fun, but needed the result. So it is what it is, I guess. It's a shame that you had to do it that way, but I guess in the split you're in, that's the only way to really finish the race sometimes, right? Yeah, it seems like it. You know, I raced my guts out last year and couldn't go anywhere high rating wise. So it just seems like you gotta let those guys wreck out before you get, you know, get to racing in my splits anyway. Yeah, and then poor Tony Groves, uh, you know, he's he hasn't raced and he's kind of given it up because he's had such horrible luck getting wrecked out of these things and. I just think it's that split he's in. He's got to try something like you did where he just lays back or something. Yeah, it's right. yeah he got wrecked out on like the first lap of his yeah, race. Yeah, it was bad. nuts. Yeah, I feel bad for him. But, hey, that's the way NIS goes. It's 36 weeks. You're going to have up and downs. And the, this is a serious low point for him, but he'll bounce back. Uh, David, you got uh, P5. Nice. Yeah, I don't really remember a whole lot of details other than that I managed to survive the stuff. I was fast at Texas every week, but I got to run three of the races and two of them. There were just accidents in front of me that I couldn't avoid. And, and in this particular time, I think I was lucky enough none of them happened in front of me. That was the one that we were running up front there with the uh, 
having the when everything went on that long run and we went to the high line with the 80 lap right mm-hmm. well yeah you had to you had to go to the high line once the or the set we had it would after 20 laps the right rear was just heating up and we couldn't figure out how to make it stop and but you could run up at the high line and and uh really stay at 75 percent throttle around the entire corner in three and four i i wrecked it uh in that last run there i think with 12 with 10 or 15 to go i came off the corner and clipped just got it loose and clipped the uh, pit road co- cone and got a d uh uh black flag so i had to come down pit road i salvaged a p12 out of it but it was it sucked because i was running in uh p3 at the time yeah and it's easy to get caught up in stuff there uh so uh sunday open david you got a dnf uh, caught up in something greg you were wrecked out you had a winning car you said yeah i let a I led a bunch of laps at the beginning of that race, and uh, I don't know what I, I know. David was in that race too, but that race was all about uh, it was all about guys that were trying to run. We got a long run, and people got away from each other. But then when the restart happened, the guys that weren't that were falling would fade easily on the beginning of a run. Tried to get up front, and they were pushing past guys and just riding too hard you know maybe 30 laps in and they just were getting in wrecks and it just caught i think there was probably the leader was wrecked three different times whoever was leading from the lead so it just it just it was just nonsense guys need to learn that you're gonna finish where you're gonna finish you can't sometimes you can't force it people try uh mason put it down he got a p20 i started p1 nice pole position uh, he actually wrecked the leader on lap two. He said, sorry to Stacy Adams from Florida. See, he was at our split too. Yeah, I've run with Stacy for a long time in, uh, he in IS. Mason was the first one to wreck a leader. I said he got another wreck but survived with little enough damage to be running fifth, sped on pit road on the final green flag stop, didn't take tires to offset the penalty, and then spun out. Lost his own race. Then Sunday fixed, uh, I wrecked out near the end, but I had a good run going. I was running like, I don't know, 10th, 15th or so, um, but got wrecked up pretty bad, about 30 to go, and couldn't finish. Let's talk Bristol. Uh, Man, uh, Wednesday fixed, uh, I got a P13. I actually ran 10th to 15th most of the day. I pitted on the back stretch, which I've learned is a huge disadvantage. Now, let's talk about that real quick. Um, if you're the top 22 in qualifying, you're on the front stretch. If you're 23rd or worse, you're on the back. And so what happens is in the real net Bristol race, in real NASCAR, everybody has to enter on the same spot. But in iRacing, that's not the case. You can enter on the front stretch or the back stretch, depending on where your pit is. And so that's the difference. Yeah. For a little clarification, it's, it changes whether you're a green flag or yellow in the on the real track. Green flag, you only have to put on your side. Yellow flag, everybody pits on the back. Go has to drive through the back stretch and the front stretch pits. Yeah, but in i racing, you always do it on the side that you're on. Correct. Right. So that's the difference. And so what happens is, I'm 11th. The top 10 pit on the front stretch. I pull up to the pace car. Then I'm the leader, and then I pit on the back stretch. And then they get to pull out and come around me, and then I get to come out kind of behind them. And I always ended up losing spots. I'd go from 5th to 13th, 6th to 12th, 
I was running seventh, I'd end up 14th, you know, and so it was a huge disadvantage every time you pitted because of the backstretch. And I wish iRacing could fix that. How do they fix it? I have no idea. You got to make it match what NASCAR is doing. Anyway, I don't know what the answer is, but think about it. If you guys have ideas, let me know and we'll talk about it on the show. If that. If I remember correctly, back uh, in the R Factor days, they they took the exact opposite approach and made everybody run, go through the entire pits. So you'd lose a ton of laps if you did a if you had to do a green flag stop back back then. We just needed to be like NASCAR does it. But um, anyway, I digress. Uh, Wednesday open, uh, I got a P nine. I actually led some laps, and, I, and that's legitimately led. Not like I stayed out and. I, I led laps. I ran top five, top ten most of the race. Uh, but the last run, I really faded. I, I don't know what it was, but I think I kind of fell out of the seat, to tell you the truth. Um, I, you really have to focus at this track, and especially when you're running high like me. I'm right against the wall every lap, and um, I run it up there a little more than most. And um, But I don't know. I think I fell out of the seat there, and I, I probably could have finished better, but ended up with a P9. Uh, a great result for me at Bristol. I mean, this time last year, if I had a P9, that would be very unusual, uh, you know, and so I'm really happy about that. Uh, Nim Cross was in my race, the steward of iRacing, and so kind of interesting to watch people, you know, say the F word and then kind of go, oh, no, you know, like I shouldn't have said that. But it didn't sound like he clamped down on anybody for that, but funnily though we were in the we were in a practice session right before that and a driver that i've actually had some issues with actually griped at nim cross for not exiting the track fast enough and he told him i don't think you need to be telling me what to do it was it was very entertaining he probably had no idea who he was talking to now david you were in my split uh and you ended up with p13 yeah, actually, this is the first setup that I really ag aggressively participated in building with the team because uh, we, we knew Mason was going to miss most miss most of it, and Brent was just getting back, and so I was like, Mason, I know you're not going to get to run, but you don't want to crew chief me. I still don't feel comfortable really making any major adjustments other than you know the ones you can do on track. Now, we worked on the setup, worked on the setup, and I, I feel like I'm good enough now that I can, or I'm consistent enough that I can can know if it's a setup change or me driving change that's affecting what what change he put in. And we went through a bunch of versions and settled on something that we liked. Unfortunately, the one thing we didn't test was how it handles when you can't go out to the wall on exit. So twice this week at Bristol, I've been running I, early on. I've been running and just overdid it and, self, and and turned it sideways and hit the inside wall and had to drive with a damaged car. I hit I, I went in, hit hit the wall, had to pit because I didn't take enough tape off ended up two laps down for most of the race was running down like 10th place 11th place car while I was two laps down and then there was just enough attrition and and I got a couple of lucky dogs and was able to climb back up with a heavily damaged nose up all the way back up to 13th yeah nice run there um the bottom is tough and and I agree you can self-spin down when you're on the bottom like that I, you know what? I stay at the top. That's my my take on that. I just don't run the bottom at all. If I can't run the top, then I'm not really running the bottom unless I have to. But uh, anyway, uh, Thursday open, I got a P3. Uh, it was a great run. I led laps again and really backed up my good run from earlier in the week. And, and man, I'm happy with how I'm running at Bristol. I was leading laps. I ended up three, uh, P3. 
the leader who won the race, he was fast, man. There were only three cars on the lead lap at the end. Uh, we had a late caution. I was the lucky dog from third. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten a lucky dog running third. But that's how it worked. There were only two cars on the lead lap uh, there when we got that late caution. But it was a long green flag run near the end of the race there. There were green flag stops in the middle. Uh, I stopped with the, when the leader did, and I thought that was the right thing. And then after I got those new tires, I just ran hard, 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 as hard as I could. And ended up P3. I think I was like P7 before that green flag uh, round started. And so it really shook out well for me. And uh, I'm excited about tonight, man. I'm going for a freaking win. David, tell us about our our intra-team standings for NIS. All right. Anybody who's ever done like fraternity sports in college knows we call it intramural. And so that's what we got going on a little. Uh, it's Basically, we take our best finish, and we assume that the splits that we're ending up are automatically handicapping it for us. Currently leading the open standings is still Mr. Skills, and he has Scales, two wins. the king. Um, I've bumped up to second spot I have with that good finish at Texas. I'm 20 points behind. Mason didn't have a great week at Texas, and he's not going to really get to count Bristol week either. He's now down in third, 26 points behind. And then down in the NIS, Brent. He took the week off. Well, I was on a on a family trip. But still, still has the three wins and still leads. Got an eight point lead over Mike, and then uh, Bill Hall, our social media expert, is also fifteen behind. It's a tight race there. All right. Uh, then uh, road to pro, uh, Chris. You got a P seven. Yep, it was a lot like my NIS race. I about got bit though. I started on pit road and ended up going two laps down. And had a real hard time getting those two laps back. But I did, and at the end of the race, it ended up falling where I was I was running eighth with fresh tires. And everybody in front of me had like 10 or 20 lap tires. So I almost had another wind fall in my lap. But we had a couple cautions there at the end instead of racing. All right. And then Brent ran. He, uh, Brent McCoy got wrecked out. Mason uh, wrecked several times. He got a P18. Uh, truck actually got stuck in the fence. Uh, he put up a video on Tifosi Racing. Uh, check that out. It's pretty crazy. At first, it got caught in the wall, and then it starts shaking, and as several cars just drive straight through it, and the truck actually just, like a scared monkey or something, climbs up the fence and is hanging in the air. Uh, and interestingly, somebody posted a complaint how so many people waited so long to uh, pause or to slow down after the caution had come out. And I, I had mentioned it gets me back on my soapbox about the fact that that pace car doesn't give the chance, the field a chance to catch up before everybody's already pitting. It's way too fast. All right, then Mason told us about his OSRA league event. He wrecked out, had a bad race, uh, but scraped by with one point over six plate to make the top five championship race. However, he's on a, a work trip. And so Kevin Hash has been promoted to the top five, and he's actually going to run our iRacing Lounge colors for the uh, championship event there at OSRA. So Kevin Hash, good luck to you, sir, and I hope you can uh, pull it off and go get it. So that's uh, uh, Online Sim Racing Association. Uh, then we talk about the Reddit iRacing League, uh, Phil Linden. Uh, he said season 24 is over. He finished the championship 12th in points. The first in the team championship uh, uh, for the second season in a row. Uh, it's first in the team championship. So he won first in the team section. Uh, 
And that's it. Let's get into final thoughts. Chris Scales, what do you got? Got nothing. Nothing. All right. David Hall, what do you got today for final thought? I'm looking forward to that DD drive coming out as well as the new uh, VR Oculus. Once it comes out, I definitely plan on. Well, I've already purchased the DD drive, and I'm going to get the new new Oculus so I can get off of my coat hanger mod. And you're going to have a wheel for sale. I'll have a base for sale, maybe. I'm going to hold on to it just to make sure, you know. Backup. It's a backup for a little while, and then, yeah, I'll probably sell this CSL at half price or, or even less. Probably somebody on the team will take that off your hands. We'll see. Or a listener. All right. It's uh, only been run for what, when when the DD drives were supposed to come out was Christmas. So I've only been running it for five months. Right. It'll be very gently used. All right. Uh, Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, just looking forward to racing the one race I get in this week on Friday here. Um, and uh, hopefully David and I are in the same split again because it's good racing with teammates. I'll uh, actually really be racing Friday. Oh, really? Okay. And, uh, yeah, so if you guys want to follow me, uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting some more racing done. All right, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, thanks to Nick Ottinger for coming on the show. Uh, we're trying to get all the peak drivers on, guys, so you can, can learn about them. And uh, they've been very gracious. Uh, I appreciate all of them. Uh, coming on uh, every time we contact him uh, we never hear no as an answer so i appreciate that um, also a, a shout out to mason stiver uh, he's not with us for the first time in a long time but he's on a work uh, a work trip or something and uh, but he does a lot of work on this podcast he does a really good job uh, so shout out to him uh, david for filling in as well uh, and then Phil Linden for our new uh, uh, segment. Uh, he's going to do a little uh, editorial uh, thing in between hardware and stories. Uh, in hopefully every week, we don't know what the frequency is, but I hope you guys liked it. But just trying something new, you know, and uh, we'd like to get Phil involved. Uh, he's got a lot to say sometimes, and sometimes we don't uh, uh, convey that message very good for him. So that'll be a good outlet for him. Uh, also, man, I'm running good at Bristol. But uh, I got fired up in this last race at one guy. I don't even remember his name, but he gave me 8X in two different laps. And I had to speak up on the mic and say, hey, dude, you know, in, in, within two laps, you gave me 8X. I mean, how is that even possible? But uh, watch out, guys. Don't get DQ'd out there. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the uh, parishioners in the race actually requested, he's a fan of the podcast, actually requested that we call the podcast 8X in two laps. All right, well, there's our title. <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track. <laughs>